What's up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Chandra Podcast. I'm honored that you decided to spend this time with me. Now, unless you've been living under a rock, you know that this country has been on edge since the last time we talked, awaiting the results of Decision 2020. Well, as of the record and release of this episode, we have a new president and vice president-elect. Now, if I'm being honest, I would not want to be them right now. They have the arduous task of trying to reconcile a divided nation. I can't wait to share my thoughts. Stay tuned. It's about to go down on the Chandra podcast. So before I share my thoughts on reconciliation, let me first say congratulations to President-elect Joe Biden and Vice President-elect Kamala Harris. Now, it's no secret that I've been a supporter of their campaign, but I believe we all can learn an important lesson from their historic victory, and that is the power of perseverance. Merriam-Webster defines perseverance as continued effort to do or achieve something despite difficulties, failure, or opposition. Now, if you're familiar with Joe Biden's story, you know that he's had to overcome both tragedy and defeat. If you're not familiar with Joe Biden's story, in 1972, he lost his first wife and daughter tragically in a car accident. Then in 2015, he lost his son, Bo, to cancer. Coupled with that, this is the third time that he's run for president of the United States of America, which means on two other occasions, he's walked away in defeat. Then we have Kamala Harris, who has faced a considerable amount of challenges simply because she's a woman. And then you add being a woman of color and the daughter of immigrants to that, and it magnifies those challenges. So I believe it is a testament to their character and ability to persevere that has them on pace to become the next president and vice president of the United States of America. I'm going to be honest with you. While I was hopeful that they would win, I was not a part of the group who believed that this would be automatic or that this would be a landslide. If 2016 taught me nothing else, it taught me to never underestimate the Trump influence. Ladies and gentlemen, it is a real thing. While yes, there are people in this country who do not like Donald Trump, but there are lots of people who do. I believe that is something we will have to contend with in the days, weeks, months, and years to come. So much so that at the time of this recording, more than 72 million Americans cast their vote in the 2020 election for Donald Trump. More than 72 million Americans cast their vote for Donald Trump in the 2020 election. It showed us that this country is more divided than we thought. After everything that has happened, 72 million Americans still believed that Donald Trump was the best candidate to lead this country. As a consequence, the incoming president-elect and vice president-elect are facing a mountain of challenges 
as they prepare to take the reins of government. Now, there are three questions that I'm going to present that I believe summarize the challenges that they face. Now, you may arrange them differently in terms of your priorities, but I'm going to give them to you in order of what I see as priority. So question number one, how do you gain control of a pandemic that has already claimed the lives of hundreds of thousands of Americans while also rebuilding the economy? I believe this is the top priority because coronavirus is real. This idea that it's a hoax, this idea that it's a political stunt is not true. Millions of Americans have been impacted by this virus. Hundreds of thousands of them have died. Our schools have been shut down because of it. Businesses are shut down because of it. Our recreational activities have been shut down and or abbreviated. Our churches, many of them are shut down because of it. So as a consequence of this virus, life as we know it has changed. So this will be a high priority for the incoming administration. Question number two, how do we fight for racial equality while still affirming the necessity of those who protect and serve? This is a big one. Now, unfortunately, people land differently on this subject. You have some people who feel as though this is not a problem. So they feel as though the unjust killing of African-Americans over the last decade, let's just say, let's just be generous over the last decade or so. They believe that those are just isolated incidents. That it's not a norm, that it's not racially motivated, just happenstance. Then you have individuals who believe that these killings have been racially motivated and happening at the hands of police officers with outdated training, happening at the hands of police officers who are themselves racist. And so as a result, we keep finding ourselves in these predicaments and not only is it being impacted by these shootings, but also our judicial system is being called into question because you have these unjust killings of African-Americans at the hand of white individuals, not just police officers, but also civilians. But then the judicial system decides not to indict many of these people. So they're either getting no indictment or they're going to trial and being declared not guilty. This is a problem. And I believe it's the second greatest challenge that they're going to have to face coming in. Because there are some people who believe that the police should be defunded. There are people who believe that some of the prerogatives of power that the police enjoy should be restricted. Now, I'm a supporter of police officers. I believe that we need police. I believe that we need good police. Because when something happens, you want to be able to call the police. 
and you want them to have the resources necessary to be able to protect and serve. But at the same time, I cannot act as if I don't see a clear problem with some of the ways that policing has been taking place across the country. So do we need some overhaul? Do we need some reform? Absolutely we do. Absolutely we do. But it's going to take both sides being willing to come together to have necessary conversations. So I believe it's it's the second greatest challenge that they're going to face as the incoming administration. Question number three, how do you secure our borders without alienating those who see citizenship in this country as the path to a better life? Now, I believe that because of the Trump administration, many people look at this particular question and they don't know how to feel. So on one hand, you have people who saw the approach, the expression that the Trump administration put forth and it turned them off so much so that they don't see the real need for conversations around border security, immigration, those types of things. And then you have people on the other end of the spectrum who feel as though he was justified, that his policies, that his treatment of those individuals was justified. Now, let me just be honest. I'm not a pie-in-the-sky kind of guy. I understand that there are people around the world who intend to do America harm, who are trying desperately to gain access to this country. So we can't just open the floodgates and and let it rain. But at the same time, I also know that there are people around the world who see America as a beacon of light, as a beacon of hope, and as the pathway to a better life. There are people who risk their lives. There are people who abandon their families, who abandon their religions, who abandon everything that they see, that they saw as security to come to America in hopes of pursuing opportunities, pursuing possibilities. So how do we make sure that we secure our borders to the degree that those who intend to do America harm don't have easy access while at the same time not denying those who are willing to go through the proper channels and those types of things to become citizens so that they ultimately can pursue that life that they wanted to pursue from afar, that hope, that light that they saw in America from afar, wanting them to have the opportunity to pursue that. Now, of course, they have to go through the proper channels and all of that wonderful stuff. But how do we do how do we do so? How do we balance both of those? I believe this is the third biggest challenge that they're going to have to face. Like I said, you may order these differently depending on your priorities. You may even you know, take one of these questions out and insert another one depending on your your level of priority. But for me, these are the three major questions that I believe have to be addressed during this incoming administration. So let me give them to you again. Number one, how do you gain control of a pandemic that has already claimed the lives of hundreds of thousands of Americans while at the same time rebuilding the economy? Number two, how do you fight for racial equality while still affirming the necessity of those who protect and serve? And then number three, How do you secure our borders without alienating those who see citizenship in this country as the path to a better life? 
Now, I'm not a political strategist, so I didn't want to spend the bulk of our time in the X's and O's about strategy and about policy and those types of things, because a very many of you may not care. But I do believe that the challenges they will face coming in as the new administration has some parallel to leadership principles. So for those who may be listening to this, who lead teams, who lead departments, who lead organizations, those who lead families, you may find yourself in a situation where you have to manage division, where you have to come into a situation where a team is divided, a department is divided, an organization is divided, a family is divided, and you are being looked upon for leadership. How do you navigate your way through that? So I want to give you three things that I think will help you to reconcile. It, it Yours may not be a divided nation like uh, President-elect Biden and Vice President-elect Harris. Yours could be a divided team. It could be a divided family. It could be a divided organization. It could be a divided department. Whatever the division is, let me give you these three things that I believe will help you to reconcile that division. Number one, come to grips with the full extent of the damage. Come to grips with the full extent of the damage. How bad is it? So I believe in in the case of of President-elect Biden and Vice President-elect Harris, that they should, when they walk in the door, be very, very clear on the fact that we are a divided nation. There is no level of optimism that should deny reality. So they should come in day one knowing full well that we are a divided nation. I know some leaders like to go in and they like to see the glasses half full and all of that other wonderful stuff. But I'm telling you, you cannot solve a problem that you are not willing to acknowledge exists. Let me say it again. You cannot solve a problem that you are not willing to acknowledge exists. So you've got to come to grips with the full extent of the damage. That's the first thing you've got to do before there can be any type of reconciliation first thing you got to do is come to grips with the full extent of the damage. How bad is it? If it's a situation about money, how much do we owe? How far in debt are we? If it's a team issue, how understaffed are we? Those are the types of questions that have to be asked and answered before the process of reconciliation can even begin. How bad is it? Come Come to grips with that. Don't be in denial. Don't come to grips with it. We are divided. People say, no, we're not divided. It's just, no, we're, we're divided. That's, that's a fact. We're divided. We've got to admit that because we can't chart a course in a new direction until we're honest about the old one. All right, number two, make the appropriate personnel and resource changes. So after you come to terms with the full extent of the damage, After you come to terms with the fact that we are divided, this team is divided, this department is divided, this family is divided, 
Now it's time to make the appropriate personnel and resource changes. Because before, when you start charting a new course, you're going to have to make changes to personnel and resources. Because nine times out of 10, now there are those anomalies, but nine times out of 10, the resources, the way they have been used and the personnel, the way they have been managed or the way they've been doing their job is a part of what has contributed to the problem. So things cannot remain as they are because that's what contributed to the problem. So it's time to make the appropriate personnel and resource changes because sometimes if you're going to undertake the task of reconciliation, then it requires that you have certain people on your team. It requires that you have certain people in the right spots. Jim Collins says in his book, Good to Great, you, you need to have the right people on the bus and in the right seats. Now, in order to do that, you got to get the wrong people off the bus. So sometimes when you go in and you see if you're leading a team, you go in and you see or you're leading a department or you're leading an organization. Sometimes you have to go in and remove people from their positions because you cannot chart a new course with that person still in the same position. Because sometimes you can't chart a, a new course with that person still occupying the same role. You can't make the necessary changes still spending money there. You can't make the necessary adjustments still doing that with resources. So make the appropriate personnel and resource changes. Number three, remain open to making adjustments when necessary. On this journey toward reconciliation, on this journey toward trying to mend division, there are going to be tons of unexpected things that are going to come up. Don't put a plan together or chart a course and become so rigid that you're not willing to make adjustments when necessary. Because sometimes the personnel change that you make in number two, sometimes you're going to have to make it again down the road because maybe the person you thought would be able to handle this responsibility can't. Or maybe the person you thought were able to handle that responsibility can't. So you've got to make another adjustment. Don't be afraid to make adjustments when necessary. One of the biggest challenges that I see often with individuals as they're leading is they, they become so fixed on the way they wanted to do it. That when evidence is being clearly presented to them, that would suggest that it's time to move in a different direction or it's time to do something different or it's time to make an adjustment to that plan. They don't want to do it because they're so tied to the way they wanted it to be done. So let me give you these again. Three things. If you're going to if you're going to begin the process of reconciliation, number one, you have to come to grips with the full extent of the damage. Be honest about how bad it is. Number two, make the appropriate personnel and resource changes. Changes have to be made. You, you cannot just leave everything as is because as is is what contributed to the current state of things. 
And then number three, remain open to making adjustments when necessary. Because even when you make those changes in number two, sometimes you got to go back and change again. Sometimes you got to go back and move again. You got to go back and, and, and readjust. But don't be afraid to make those adjustments. Because I believe that those adjustments aren't always black and white. Sometimes you're going to see it and, and, and it's going to look like the way to go. And then as you as you start to move, you're going to get new information. Be willing to make the necessary adjustments with the new information. I hope this is helping somebody. So I believe that President-elect Biden and Vice President-elect Harris have a tall task in front of them because this nation is divided. But I do believe that with the right strategy, anything is possible. Listen, I might be out of time, but I'm definitely not out of content. If you've already subscribed to this podcast, thank you so much. If by chance you're on the fence about subscribing, I hope I've at least earned your ear for another episode. I've been intentional in the month of November about sharing my thoughts on the political climate impacting our culture. I'm getting ready to turn up the heat and pivot to something different for the month of December. If you have questions or subject matters that you would love to hear me discuss, send me an email at podcast at Until next time, I'm Shondria. You take care.